Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. Looking back on uh, just the, uh, you know, the time of what God has done uh, over these past months uh, and, and years uh, here at Coastline, man, it's easy to see that, uh, that God's been in control uh, the whole way. You know, I can tell you story after story uh, how God has shown up in uh, ways that I'd never even imagined, even here, us being able to meet here at, Coast, or at uh, New Smyrna Beach High School. When Eric and I started Coastline, specifically we felt like God was putting on our hearts uh, to build the foundation of our church on three pillars. And as we thought about it, as we kind of put it together, we realized that, that our existence, the purpose of us being here, the purpose of Coastline being here in New Smyrna Beach was this. Coastline exists to connect people to Jesus and one another and to challenge us all to grow as we go to take our next steps in him. There was three things specifically. First one is that we were going to connect. I feel like it's important when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to being a follower of Christ, it's easy for us, it's easy for us to see that we're supposed to connect with God. We're supposed to connect with one another. I also think that it's important for us to grow. If things are healthy, they grow. Much like we watch our kids continue to grow. You know, if you look back, I can see pictures of how Olivia and Ben over the past five years have, have grown in a big way but also for us to remember that the church is called to live on mission, to put our faith into action, to not just sit here on a, on a Sunday morning and learn more and, 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 and get our, our knowledge base up of the word, but to actually take and put our faith into action. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to go through these things and look into the Bible and look and see what Jesus and God has got to say about how we should grow in these areas. And so today specifically, this morning, we're going to start talking about that first pillar of of the foundation of our faith, our, our, of our faith, our first uh, key value here at Coastline, which is connect. Um, you know, I think uh, I think connection is is incredibly important, both with one another as well as with God. But uh, I kind of had a, a cool visual this past. Well, wasn't cool at the time. Any of you guys ever had an issue with a septic tank before? No, no one wants an issue with a septic tank. I'm gonna tell you what the people that work the septic tank trucks. Like, when people see them, they love those people. Because when you're in a bad place, like when your septic tank is backing up or when you can't flush the stuff that you need to flush, when that septic tank guy shows up, you're like, dude, I mean, I'm not going to hug you, but on the inside, I want to. This past week, I go, uh, some of you guys know that I'm a property manager for a, a condo here in town. And I uh, had a, one of the tenants call me and said, hey, Brian, um, I can't flush my toilet. I'm like, that's not good because I know that that's one tenant and there's 40 other ones in the whole building and that's, that's a lot of toilets. 40 times two, that's 80 toilets. And if toilets are backing up, that's not a good move. And so like I scrambled and I sweated and I worried and like did all the things I shouldn't have done. I called a bunch of people and finally had a, had a guy show up. And he said, well, man, something is, something's not working right. The pump's not working right. Something is disconnected. And I felt like as I was going through this this week, as I was worrying about it and, and fretting about it, I felt like at some point God like showed me this, this funny little thing. He said, man, if, if you want to have 
some trouble in your life, live life disconnected. Because disconnection will lead to destruction. One, one thing not connected could lead to a, a, a real incredible mess. I think I see, um, you know, I see specifically in the word, even since the beginning of time, when it comes to connection, we see that God was very connected with Adam and Eve. But specifically, even when it came to Adam, he, he knew that seeing Adam alone wasn't a good thing. That him by himself, him disconnected and not having community around him was not good for him. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, specifically, this is talking about him creating Eve, but I think more importantly, this is like one of the first things that in the Bible we see God says is not good. It says he made, uh, makes all the fish in the sea, he makes all the birds in the air, he makes all the things that crawl upon the earth, he creates Adam. He says all this is good. He rests on the seventh day. He says, he says, he says it's so good it's even holy to rest. We talked about this last week. But the first thing he says is, is not good is for man to be alone. I started doing some research this past week and they said that like something like 90% of depression, 90% of the things that people are dealing with when it comes to depression stem from or rooted in this thing of, of people disconnecting and being alone. They get in their own thoughts or they get by themselves and they just, it's, it's funny, they have this thing where, where they almost describe depression as a spiraling downward. But if you were to look at the opposite way, when it comes to the opposite of depression, I would assume is happiness. They say a lot of happiness is actually, is actually connected to this idea of, of being together, of togetherness, of being connected in community, of having uh, people to help you and protect you and take care of you and help each other. I think specifically when it comes to to connection, I, I don't think, when it comes to our life, this adventure that God's called us on, I don't think that we're called to do this by ourselves. We're not meant to do life alone. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12, it says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though, may, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I think specifically today when we talk about connection, I, I believe that there's some positives that we can get, some things that, that help us when it comes to connection. I think that, uh, that spiritually, connection and community will help us. I think physically, connection and community will help us. I think emotionally, connection and community help us. And lastly, I think that missionally, connection and community will continue to help us. I, uh, I've listened to a guy for many years now. His name's Andy Stanley. Anyone ever heard of Andy Stanley? He pastors a little church in just north of Atlanta, a little tiny church. But he said this one time, he says, your friends determine the quality and direction of your life. May not speak loads, right? The people you hang out with, the people that are around you will determine the quality and direction of your life. This past week, um, I was in the shower, and when I get in the shower, I typically put on like a podcast or something. I listened to 
uh, a pastor by the name of Rick Warren. He's another, another small church pastor just, just a little out west of town. Rick Warren wrote a book called Purpose Driven Life. Some of you guys might have heard of it. But as I listened to his, as I listened to his message, he said in the beginning, he said, I want to let you know that this is the last message I'll preach at Saddleback Church. It's a church that he pastors. He said, I've been pastoring it for 43 years. And it was funny, I saw a visual, actually, it was a picture of him the first day he preached, and then a picture of the last day he preached. He preached the same message. It was really cool. But to see the story of how that church grew, one of the things he said is that it wasn't because of just him and his wife. Their impact on the world, the impact on, on their community wasn't just based off of him sacrificing, him working hard. It was based off of the collective of people coming together and living life with one another. There was a spiritual part that, that he said helped charge one another and help charge him along the way, living in community. He said over the course of those 43 years, he counted that he had preached something like 6,000 sometimes. And he said at no point was it that he did it alone. Community and connection is important. I think spiritually it's important. It allows us to help one another. It allows us living, doing life with one another. It helps us to sharpen one another, to deepen our understanding and knowledge of one another. The book of Acts talks about this, this idea of what the early church should look like. And it was, it was a lot different than what we see churches right now. They didn't have lights. They, didn't have, they, might, they might not have sat in these rows. It was, just, it was just a little bit different than the way we do church now. It says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They, meaning the group that had gathered together, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I want to stop right there. Fellowship. How many times have we used that word in real day life? Probably not a whole lot, right? We use it in church a lot. I remember growing up in church, anytime you said fellowship, fellowship uh, referred to uh, a room that was called the fellowship hall. And the only reason I knew what it was is because that's where they stored the snacks, right? Fellowship hall, it was a big snack area. It was great. Loved the fellowship hall. We got a, we got a little bit of fellowship hall. We got a fellowship breezeway. We need to put some more snacks in there. Now that COVID's kind of whatever. Bring back the donuts. Come on. Put that on a t-shirt. But fellowship is more than just getting together and hanging out. Specifically, this, this word, this word fellowship, when it's talked about in this verse, comes from the Greek. And it's, it's a word that's pronounced kononia, which means more than just hanging out. It means doing life with one another. To the point where it even communicates like how, how a husband and a wife do life together. Specifically, it's talking about the church here, though. It's, it's not saying that they, they got together on the weekends and, and hung out for an hour. It's saying they fellowshiped with one another. They did life. They connected their lives together and lived life as a church. It says they devote, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke their bread, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think spiritually connection has the ability to, to help make us better. I don't think that spiritually we were meant to do life alone. But also we see this, 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 this connection with, with when it comes to doing church that, that there's also this physical part that affects us. It says specifically in the church back in, in, in the book of Acts, it says that they sold, in Acts chapter 2, verse 45, it says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone that was in need. You know, I, um, Coastline as a church, we try to help out those that are in need through a number of different ways. We help sponsor many organizations here in town as well as abroad. But, but I think that what this is talking about here is, is more than that. It's more than the idea of like what comes in on a Sunday that then gets sent out to help those that are in need. This is something that we're, it's, it's helping out specifically in the community of one another. And I see this alive and well in Coastline because I don't know how many times I've, I've been talking to a circle group leader. They've been meeting together regularly for however long, and at some point they say, hey, Brian, I just, I, I got to let you know that, you know, so-and-so is moving, and they're real stressed out, and they don't know what to do about it, and, and there's, it's really just affecting them in a negative way. And I say, okay, well, what, what, can the church, what can the church do to help them out? You know, is it some, do we, can we get some people together? Can, do we need to pay to help some people to, to move them? And then when the church leader, when the group leader, the circle group leader comes to me and says, no, no, Brian, we, we already did it. We, our circle group got together and we helped each other. We, we, we brought our trucks, we put it all in there and, and we helped move them. I didn't, have, I didn't even have to do anything, but I, I, I look at it, I'm like, that's what church does. They help one another. I don't know how many times where someone's come to me and say, Brian, so-and-so's car has broke down. Like, they're unable, they're unable to get to work. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, I mean, like, we don't have a lot of money, but if, we, if we've got to, maybe we can, you know, figure out a way to, to help them. And they say, no, 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 our, our circle group already, we already talked about it. And we already, we already pulled some money together, and we already paid for the car to get fixed. I just want to let you know what's, what's happening. And when I hear that, I'm like, man, that's, that's what the church is. See, I think, I think when it comes to us being a church, when it comes to us living life in connection, I think it's more than just what happens on a Sunday. I think what's more important is what happens between the Sundays. Because although we, we might grow, we might continue to, to become better, we think in our minds we're becoming better because we're showing up every Sunday and we're listening to a message for 27 minutes or however much time's left on the clock and, 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 we, and we sing three songs and we think we're becoming better. But the truth is, the change will happen when we, when we understand that doing church or living life as a Christian matters more about what happens between the Sundays than what happens on the Sunday. I think connection is a huge part of that. We see that emotionally that, that there was a huge success when it came to, to living life in connection and community. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47 says, Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. And it says this, With glad and sincere hearts, 
praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily with glad and sincere hearts. You don't know, you know how happy it makes me when I hear people that, that aren't even part of the circle group I'm in. They get together and, and they encourage someone who's struggling. Or, or, or they call someone up out of the blue in the middle of the week. Say, hey man, it sounds like you're going through it or whatever, but I want to let you know you're not, you're not here alone. There's something about the, the time in circle groups before they even get into any type of teaching or whatever where they're, they're, they're breaking, you know, they're not breaking bread, they're breaking probably peanut butter cookies because that's probably, I mean, if back in the day, that's what they would have used if they could. They're sharing some delicious treats with one another and they're laughing and they're having a good time and they're helping each other out emotionally, supporting one another. But also I think living in, living in connection, in community, in a circle group helps, out, helps us to remember the mission that we're called to live on. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, it says, they're praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. It says this, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I don't care about the number of people that attend Coastline Church. I, that's not something that I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the numbers and thinking, man, you know, we've got, we got 150 people. I really wish we had 200 people. We got 200 people, I wish we had 300 people. I, I, that's, not something that, that's not something that charges me. I don't, I don't feel any pride with it either. But what does get me up, what does get me going, what does excite me is when we hear stories of people whose lives are changing and who people that, that aren't, they're not entering Coastline Church, they're in, entering the kingdom starting to follow Christ for the first time or they've been following Christ for a little while and they, they see God show up in a big way. Those are the things I, I, I want to see more of. Those are the things that, that I believe that the church should be all about. It's helping out one another to the point where we see God move through us in somebody's life. And the way it happens is this. In John chapter 13, Verse 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. If you love one another. We've done a terrible job when it comes to the English language to describe what love is. As you look through the New Testament, it talks about this, this connection of one another, of how we should treat one another. It says something in the New Testament like 69 times, I think it was, or 59 times. It says how we should treat one another. Specifically, the mission that, that Jesus called us to is to love one another. But in the New Testament, it says this. It says that we're supposed to, says we're supposed to serve one another. We're supposed to accept one another. We're supposed to strengthen one another. We're supposed to encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another, commit to one another. We're supposed to build trust with one another. 
We're supposed to be devoted to one another, be patient with one another, be interested in one another, be accountable to one another. We're supposed to connect to one another. We're supposed to confess to one another. We're supposed to live in harmony with one another. To, to not be conceited to one another. To not pass judgment of one another. To not slander one another. We're supposed to instruct one another and greet one another. Admonish one another. We're supposed to, want to, to spur one another on. To encourage one another. To meet with one another. We're supposed to agree with one another, be concerned for one another. We're supposed to be humble to one another, to be of the same mind, to be compassionate to one another, to not be consumed with one another, to not be angry with one another, to not lie to one another, to live, to live peacefully with one another, to not grumble with one another or, or give preference to one another, to sing to one another comfort one another, to be kind to one another, to carry one another's burdens, to love one another. If the New Testament says that, that we're supposed to do all these things to one another, that's a lot to do in 70 minutes on a Sunday. The New Testament, the, the Bible, Jesus Christ, God himself, says you're not supposed to do life alone. You're supposed to do life in community, in connection with one another. Jesus himself started his ministry. And when he did, the first thing he did was to gather disciples, gather people that he would do life with and alongside. I want to challenge you, church. We live in a world where we are falsely connected through Facebook and Instagram and everything else, where we know about each other, but we're not living life in connection. And I want to challenge you to take the next step. I think that life change can happen here at Coastline. I, I, don't, I don't see it happen as much in the 70 minutes on a Sunday morning as what I do see happening people that are doing life with one another. So I want to challenge you to take the next step, to grow beyond living in the row that we are here on a Sunday morning, and to do life connected in community with one another outside of just the weekend. Eugene Peterson says this. He says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from any immersion and embrace of community. He said, I'm not myself by myself. Don't do life alone. You're not alone. I believe that we're better together. And so I want to challenge you this week to do that. Coastline Church exists to connect people to Jesus and to one another. So this week, I, I hope that you would spend time doing both of those. Get involved in a circle group. Maybe start a circle group yourself. 
Some of you are like, but Brian, some people are weird. It's all right. Anybody been to a weird circle group? I have. I led a weird circle group last year. We're still, we're still meant to do life in community. If you, if you attended a weird circle group, switch, go to a different circle group. Come talk to me. Or you might have been the one, weird one in the circle group. Who knows? I'm going to help you out. I love you. I don't want to see you guys do life alone. I want to see our church continue to grow, not by number, but in people that have continually had their lives be changed for the better. And I know that happens outside of the 70 minutes that we get to hang out. So this morning, we're going we're gonna to sing one last song. And I want to challenge you to spend some time connecting with one another in the breezeway. Shake some hands or high five or... If you don't, if you're weird about germs, you can give the peace sign or something, do whatever, head nod. But talk to some people and connect with one another and do life together the way that it's been intended. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, for those of us that feel disconnected, for those of us that are maybe fighting depression, those of us that have been lied to that feel like we're supposed to do this alone. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would come into this room and that you would spur us and encourage us and challenge us to push out of that and to do life with one another the way that you have commanded us to. I know you did it not because you just want to see us do life together, but because it's what's better for us. It's what's better for the community that you've inserted us into. So I pray that as we as we finish this moment of, of teaching and understanding, I pray that your Holy Spirit would spur us to continue to live it out, to put our faith into action, and to do life with one another, to encourage one another and help one another and love one another, to support one another. I thank you so much for what you're going to do as we continue to pursue you in that way. Have your way in our lives, have your way in our church, have your way in our country. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.